Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. All right. Time to own up. How many of you in the last couple months, two or three months, um, have bought something at the store that you really didn't need yet, but you were afraid you were going to need it and it wouldn't be there? Ah, several, yeah, yeah. How many of you found you said you actually ran out of something that you needed here? All right, yeah, okay. Uh, you know what it was it? It was first, it was toilet paper, hand sanitizer, right? Disinfecting stuff, and then meat, and I, was there anything else like that? Paper towels, okay. Whatever, so yeah, those things, you know, we're, we were running out of, and people would worry and run in and get it. I want to ask you something, or let's think about this for just a minute. There's one thing that we never ran out of, and it seems like we never do run out of, and that's things to worry about. Right? I mean, there's always something to worry about, isn't it? In fact, the fact that you can't think of something to worry about might make you worry because you think I should be worrying about something and I don't remember what it was. Right? So we don't run out of things to worry. Now, uh, when we think of worry, when it gets really bad, um, it's, sometimes it looks like this up here, right? <laughs> now, probably most of us, we don't let that outside, do we? We, we kind of tone that down and it looks more like this. And that's where there's just this undercurrent of worry, anxiety. Uh, we um, certainly live in a worried society. 18% of American adults, which is almost one in five, 40 million American adults uh, will be diagnosed and struggle with anxiety and depression in any given year. That's a lot, isn't it? And um, what they've noted is that anxiety, people who are anx anxious and have anxiety often end up with depression as well. And that shouldn't surprise us because in the book of Proverbs, it tells us this in chapter 12, anxiety in the heart of man, what? Causes depression. And that's not surprising because this, this anxiety and worry and... Uh, it has a physical impact on us and it produces you know, in our endocrine system the stress hormones which wear you out. And depression oftentimes is very much the idea of I am worn out emotionally and now there are physical issues that are coming as a result of that. And so uh, about in a given year right now there's about 14 million um, adults in the United States on anti-anxiety medication. Okay, now let me talk about that for just, just a minute because I want to kind of set this out of the way if we can. Uh, this idea of worry, anxiety, medication. Um, there are people who have, for whatever reason, uh, their body, just like we have any other physical problems that come along, they've had physical problems that affected their endocrine system and the whole idea, and so they they have an ongoing problem with anxiety that is biochemical, right? I mean, it's just, it's a physical problem. And so th thank God we have medication that can help people with that so they can continue to function. Now, sometimes people can worry themselves into physical problems, right? 
The worry and the anxiety can actually begin to produce physical problems uh, that may very well need medical treatment and may need medication. And certainly, if somebody uh, you know, has found themselves, for whatever reason, overwhelmed by the anxiety and worry, and you know, maybe just for now they need help too, right? Because what I've noticed when I talk to people who struggle with anxiety, they don't sleep. And when you don't sleep, life gets really difficult. And so sometimes the anti-anxiety medications enable them to rest so that they can actually look at life again and deal with it. But what I want to say to you is this, whether someone is on medications uh, because they, you know, had the, the, something's just broken in the body, right, and they have to take the meds, or whether they've got onto it for other reasons, whether it's temporary or not, and for all uh, the rest who aren't on medication, we all have to address this issue anyway. Because even those who are very active in the uh, uh, psychology and psychiatry in this area with worry and anxiety, except for those, like I said, who have a, a physical problem that isn't going to get fixed, the rest of us, they say that uh, medic the, the medication is just temporary and only it's dealing with the symptoms. And they said the best treatment is medication and then helping people with how they think and how they respond to the decisions they do. So that's probably, for whatever reason, that's probably gonna happen today, that noise. Okay, we're gonna just press on, okay? All right. Um, so the idea is that, that all of us need to address this issue we're going to talk about today. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. It's a great psalm. There's lots of great psalms. They're all great psalms, I suppose, huh? Sometimes they connect a little bit more with this than other times. Psalm 37. Let's start in verse number one. It says, do not fret because of evildoers. Fret. Do not be anxious. Don't be worried. Okay? Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and withers the green herb. So don't be fretting about those who do wrong. God's going to address that and deal with that. Okay, let's jump down to verse number seven now. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. And so this idea of not fretting because of those who prosper, he's talking about those who prosper in doing wrong, right? They, they're doing what's wrong and they seem to be succeeding. Don't fret about that. Don't worry about that. Verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Now get this. Do not fret. It only what? Causes harm. And so yeah, do not fret. It only causes harm. So worry is not a good thing for us. Um, I once knew a man who, I think he was joking to begin with, but then it seemed like for a while he really believed it was true. And he said, well, if I worry about things, then they don't happen. And he says, every time something bad happens, I realize I haven't been worrying about it. And so, kind of thinking worry is a good thing, but worry is never a good thing, okay? You might say, well, I don't worry. 
right? I don't worry. I can say it too. I don't worry, except when I do. Right? I don't worry a lot, but there are times and places when something comes along that punches my button and I find myself worrying. Uh, you know, and, but you know, I wouldn't describe myself, and a lot of you probably wouldn't describe myself as a worrier. I'm not a worrier. Some of you here today, or those watching online, probably are worriers with a capital W. It's kind of the only way you know to approach life at this point. That can happen. We want to help you with that today. Uh, say, but I, I think you know the best one is when we say, "Well, I, I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm. I'm just concerned." And is there a difference? Yeah, there can be a difference. But what often happens is that our concern starts to sound like worry. Our concern starts to talk like worry. Our concern starts to act like worry. Just know that we can't deal with the problem by just calling it something else, all right? And so I think most of us from time to time in life, something comes along and we find ourselves worrying about it. And what do we see in Psalm 37? That's what? It only causes harm. It never leads to a good solution. Uh, people who worry a lot about things oftentimes make bad decisions, which they have to deal with later, and then they worry about those. I mean, it just is a downward spiral. It doesn't take people where they want to go or where they need to go. Well, what do we mean when we're talking about worry? And I think that probably some counselors, uh, psychiatrists might want to differentiate between worry and anxiety, okay? But I would say to you, at the root of it, it's the same thing. It's the same kind of feelings. And uh, they, we can worry a little bit, we can worry a lot, okay? But it's the same basic feelings. Uh, it's interesting that when I looked up, you know, I, I go to, I look up definitions, I look up definitions for words in the scripture, I look up definitions for English words that are translated from the words in the scripture, and I just did, I didn't find anything that was really helpful. Because it's sort of like they define, you know, well, you know, worry means to be anxious. And so I go look up anxious. Anxious means to be worried, you know. And that was like quite like that, but it just, you know, and so I get a sense that just, we kind of know what it means to be worried, don't we? We know what it means to feel anxious about things. Now, the word that's translated worry or anxious most often in the New Testament does offer us a little bit of insight. And it means this, worry is, is translated, it, it means thinking and being distracted, kind of at the same time. So you're thinking about things, but you keep getting what? Distracted, distracted away, you know? You're thinking about, oh, I got to handle my finances, but what about? You see what I mean? And it just, it's, ling, it's, it's lurking, that's a better word, that sounds evil. It's lurking around the edges, right? All the time, ready to jump in. And so, uh, worry just kind of tends to take over our lives. Irma Bombeck said something funny about worry. She said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. Right? Uh, worry wears you out, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, you know, where, and like I said, I'm not really much of a worrier, but I do find myself worrying sometimes. And I've had times where big things I was worrying about, and it just wears you out, right? And, and a fellow named John Lubbock said this about it. He says, a day of worry is more exhausting than a day of work. And you come home from a day of hard work feeling tired, but what? What do we say? 
it's a good kind of tired, you know. <laughs> but you spend a day worrying, you don't say, oh, what a great day that was. You know, you find yourself really exhausted and worn out. And so what we want to do today is talk about how do we break the chains of worry. Okay, that's the title of today's sermon, Breaking the Chains of Worry. Whether you're, you have that, you know, it's worrying all the time, it's taking over your life, or whether it's just worrying from time to time that just, you know, doesn't help you at all. It brings to, we want to, how do we stop it? How do we make progress on it might be the better uh, description. How do we have, go forward with worrying less than we do today? Well, there's lots of things that, that people and even experts in the field will tell you that you can do that would be helpful to you. And that is, these things are good. And let's just review some of them real quickly. One of them is that uh, really most of the stuff you worry about doesn't happen, does it? And that's, that's what we want to realize, okay? This can help you say, why am I worrying, okay? So um, this uh, fellow named Crossman wrote this. He says, if you want to test your memory, try to recall what you were worrying about one year ago today. Anybody remember what you were worrying about a year ago today? We, we don't for the most part, right? So that means it what? It passed. Whatever it was, passed. And then Winston Churchill said this. He said, uh, when I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. <laughs> okay? So we do experience this kind of thing. So that is the idea of one of the things we can do is stop and think, wait a minute, what is worry doing? What is worrying accomplishing? Right? It, it really hasn't helped. It hasn't made a difference. Whatever happened, happened. Whatever didn't, didn't. And Okay? Then there's some other things that are much more spiritual in nature. One of those is to pray, right? Prayer is crucial. We want to learn that when we find ourselves worrying, we need to stop and instead pray. We'll actually look at some scripture later on that says that. Don't worry. Pray. And that's not a throwaway. Talking with God about these things can really make a big difference in your life. Then the idea of praise. Praise. The Bible talks about praising. It says in the Old Testament that God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we praise God, we start thinking about, you know, who he is, what he's like, what he's done, what he's promised to do. And it isn't long before, wow, maybe things aren't as bad as I thought they were because God's in charge. Okay? Praise. Singing. Singing in both the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, it talks about this singing and what we do. And it's, it's connected with um, these feelings of gratitude and growth and the grace of God. I, I tell you, we, we sing a song, and it was just a, in the last couple of weeks, I mean, it was, but it says, there's a line that says, so teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. And, you know, I just latch onto that and, and really try to do that. Whether it's a temptation to sin, I find if I can stop, I'm going to sing praise to the Lord here. I'm going to sing something to the Lord. Um, and then um, if it's temptation to worry, right? Same idea, but it's, it's sing to the Lord. There's something about that. God knows that he told us to do it. There's something about it that does something deep down inside of us when we engage with God and sing. Um, and so that can really help you with your worrying. Uh, and so if you ever run into a Christian that's singing all the time, and you say, oh, okay, I know what's going on. All right, uh, scripture, certainly scripture. It's, it's a game changer. We'll talk a little more about that later. Getting into the word of God. I've shared stories with you where I found myself 
of times in, in my adult life where I've awakened in the middle of the night and I'm laying there and an hour later I'm more awake than I was an hour earlier and just troubled. And sometimes I know what it's about and sometimes I don't. Just there's a sense of anxiousness that's keeping me from sleeping. And so sometimes I got up and just opened the Bible, picked some place, started reading, think about it, talk with God about it, just go through it. And all of a sudden I realized at some point that I am, I've, I've come down, right? And I can go back to bed and go to sleep. The Bible talks about that God gives us beloved sleep, right? He's at work, so he's at work at night so I can sleep. <laughs> all right, so this idea of getting in the word of God. So these things are all good. But what I want to do is talk to you today about, we want to try to get just a little bit farther under the surface maybe to the things that are going on under the surface that may be causing a lot of what's happening in our lives on the surface. So uh, let me ask you a question. Who wants you to worry most? Who wants you to worry? Let me ask that. Who wants to worry? One more time. Who wants you to worry, God or Satan? <laughs> Absolutely, Satan. He wants to worry because worry is what we saw, what? Do not fret, it only causes harm. It's never a good thing for you. And, and Satan does not want good things for you. He wants to, to, to bring destruction and ruin into your lives. And worry can do that if it goes far enough and goes long enough. Um, and so Satan um, will deceive us. That's his main weapon. He wants to see. He wants to get us to believe things that aren't true. So we will make decisions based on things that aren't true. We will act on things that are not true. And we won't end up where we're supposed to be in our lives. And so first point I want you to see is this. Develop the habit of working hard to know the truth. Saturate your mind with God's word. And let it determine how you look at everything. Think about that if Satan's main weapons to deceive you. Where is our source of never failing truth? In the word of God, right? And so what we want to do here is be in the word enough that it starts to saturate our thinking and that it determines how we make our decisions. Um, and this won't make your worry just go away instantly like this. but it's, you're going to see, it's going to help you to even see the truth about your worry, okay? But we got to say, so this is about what we would talk about developing a biblical view of the wor world or a biblical world view. See, we talked about it in the past when, when sin entered in the world with Adam and Eve, right? And it was passed on to us and we did made our own sins as well, you know, and that it, it causes all sorts of problems, doesn't it? it you know, it, it, we... Our thinking is messed up. Our natural ways of thinking are messed up because of the impact of sin in the world and in our lives, our own experiences in life. Now, because that's true, um, don't believe everything you think. Okay? That sounds kind of silly, but don't believe everything you think. Every thought that comes to your mind is not necessarily true. And so what we have to do is we have to filter. And as we saturate our minds with God's word, we will start to recognize that. Even in our own thoughts, we'll have thoughts and also say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like that's what God says. And so we begin to evaluate it. So the idea is we want to 
change the way we think, don't we? When our thinking is causing us problems, we're believing things that aren't really true, we want to change the way we think. And so this is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to, to set about on a lifelong journey of changing the way you think. Letting God transform your life by transforming how you look at the world, which is why we're saying, get in the word of God, saturate your mind with it. Don't let the word, you know, the daily bread is a really cool thing. Most of you probably know that as a devotional book, right? Great thoughts in it, really good each day. You can look at that. But I'm telling you, if, if your diet of the word of God consists of what you're getting out of the daily bread or something like it, you are not saturating your mind. And you will continue to be vulnerable to the lies and deceptions that Satan has in the world around you. So really, really work on that. Um, let me give you an example, a biblical worldview. <clears throat> the more, you understand what I mean when I say biblical worldview, you feel like? Now, as we're looking at the world the way that the Bible says it is. We're, we're understanding that things work the way the Bible says things work. We're understanding what God is like based on what the Bible says. We understand the truth about ourselves based on what the Bible says. So we're developing this biblical worldview. And by the way, that's a very different view than the, the folks out there that you know who do not know the Lord. It's a different view. Now, sometimes they have some overlapping views, but it's a very different view. As someone who knows the Lord and submits to him and lives their life that way. Um, so a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview lives us, leads us to be grateful. You ever thought about that? A biblical worldview, the more you see the world the way God says it is, the more grateful you become. And you realize what you have to thank God for. And do you realize that when you find a worrier, their life typically is not marked by gratitude? And if you find someone who is a grateful person, and it's just evident, you will seldom see them being the worrier. So you see how this starts to work together? All right, and, and then, uh, Paul says this in Philippians 4. We're all probably familiar with this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That's, if you could just get that in your head, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and do what else? Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And so this biblical worldview says, tell God what you need and thank him and be grateful. And then you will have what? You'll experience the peace of God. And so, it, you know, this idea, you develop a biblical worldview. And as you thank God, because when you start thanking God, you're thanking God for what he's done. You thank him for it. It starts to change again how you are looking at what's going on in your life. That may, you guys with me on this makes sense? Sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, looking at you guys out there with your mask on. For all I know, you're sticking your tongue out at me. All right, so this, this idea of being grateful, that's just part, and where that comes from is this idea of we have a, um, we develop a biblical worldview, we tend to become more grateful, and gratitude and prayer tends to bring us peace instead of worry, okay? So you really want to get in the Word of God and let it saturate your life. Now, if, that means if you are struggling with this, or you're struggling with worry, and whether it's just on one particular issue or it's uh, your whole life and you're struggling with worry, it really probably means that you are looking at something wrong. 
They're not thinking right about something. Now, I say that not in any way to put guilt on you or shame on you because you aren't thinking. No, 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 no. Every Christian is in this process of learning to think better, learning to think more writer. How's that? To learning to think more biblically. So it's, it, if, if you find yourself in this situation, don't be, oh, no, i got to worry about how bad off I am. No. Just say, okay, this is part of the process. If I'm struggling with worry, I must not be looking at something right. Okay, that's a huge part of it. All right. Uh, second truth we want to look at, or second thing we want to look at with respect to this is, is uh, this. Tell yourself the truth about your worrying. When you worry, you're believing things about God that just aren't true. And so this time I find the truth and tell yourself the truth about your worrying. Because typically I think when we're worrying about things, it falls into one of these categories. Either we say God doesn't know. God doesn't really know what's going on here. I got to keep track of it all for him. Now we wouldn't say that, but that's what we can do. God isn't able. Yeah, I know God can do it, but, but this. I, right? Or God doesn't care. You know, I think, whatever, he doesn't care about this part of my life, and I care a lot about it, and whatever, we believe those things. So let's, let's drill down on these just a little bit, okay? All right, first one, this, this lie that we have come, may believe, God doesn't know, and that's just not true. Consider this, he counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power, his understanding is infinite. Anybody know how many stars they think there are? Well, I looked it up on Google. <laughs> Their estimates right now are 100 billion, 100 billion or, let me see, I think that's right, hang on, I had it, yeah, no, sorry. 1 billion trillion stars. 1 billion trillions of stars in the observable universe. And there may be more that we can't see at this point. And God knows what about them? Every one of them has a name from God. And he knows it. His understanding is infinite. Does God know about your situation? Yes, he does. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, it says this. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I mean, his, his understanding is capable of keeping track of all of these things. So the second thing that deceives, we say, well, God is not able. God isn't able. Jeremiah 32 says, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. That, that all those stars we talked about, he made them all. Nothing's too hard for him. And because this is true, Paul says in Philippians, he says this, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we talk about your needs. We aren't talking about always about money. You might have health needs. You have relationship needs. You have needs at work. You have all sorts of needs that we're talking about. So God is able and he will. Okay, that's the promise of the word of God. Third thing we might think is God doesn't care. You know, well, he cares about it, I know that, but not this part. He doesn't seem to really care. Luke, Jesus said these words. He said, there are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Easier 
for some of us than for others. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. If God takes care of the sparrows, you're much more important than they are. God cares about you. Not to mention, we want to talk about sending his son to die for us, right? And then Peter writes this. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. God does care. So we have to, this is the whole idea, get in the word of God, saturate our minds with this, so that we start to see when we find ourselves worrying, we say, what, what's behind this worry? Do I think God isn't able? Or do I think God doesn't care? Why am I worrying? And then address that issue. And it can help you with the worry. Which, by the way, if you aren't worrying and you're looking at a problem, you probably come up with a much better solution than if you're worrying and looking at the problem. All right. All right, so this brings us to the third major thing we want to work on. This is this. Settle the fact in your heart and mind that the purpose of your life is much bigger than your personal comfort or desires. It's about knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in a way that affects every other area of life. This defines your needs. Because I'm convinced that many times we believe we have a need that probably really isn't a need. It's a want. It's a wish. You know? And so I want things to be better in this relationship. Okay, that's, that's good. Um, do you need it to be better in this relationship? Well, I, to be honest with you, maybe I don't know. My desire is to do what God wants me to do in my life. See, that's what's most importantly to me. And so here's what I start to understand. That if this relationship that I have needs to be better, and I'm, I'm doing all that I can, but this relationship needs to get better in order for me to do what God wants me to do, then it's a need, right? And God will address it. Uh, this applies to you know, all of our physical things, material things, on and on it goes. And I think that very often we are worrying about things that we don't really need in order to live our lives in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord. Now, does, does that mean don't ask God for them? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Share the desires of your heart with God, right? Talk to him about your struggles. We can talk about that, but we are saying don't worry about it. There's no point in worrying about it. It isn't something that is, you need in order to live your life for the Lord. Anybody like some more money? Come on. Nobody else? Boy, you guys are all set. I expect the offerings to go up. Okay. Uh, we all would, most of us would like to have more money. I would like to have more money. Do I need to have more money to do what God has called me to do? Not that I know of at the moment. Maybe someday I'd need more to do what he wants me to do. It doesn't matter. The idea is, you see what I'm trying to say? I think this helps us let go of a lot of things that we might worry about. Okay. And so this idea, this defines your needs. Let's look at this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's that gratitude again. But do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what it's about. Is this something that I'm, I'm doing for the Lord? I'm doing, you know, all that I'm doing should be doing because this is something the Lord has given me to do. And it doesn't mean it's all work or it's all unpleasant. He might have given me something to do. Hey, I want you to do this so you can be refreshed, right? And rest it. Do that. Okay, let's get to the next one here. 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And so again, this idea, if I seek to live like we're talking about here, my life is about the Lord and the needs that I have are about living for the Lord. And so I'm seeking first the kingdom. What confidence can I have? What confidence can you have? The things that you need, what? God will provide. And so if you are seeking to live for the Lord and that's what your whole life is about and none of us gets it perfect, we work some process, progress. So, but, but if that's the intent and you're, you're seeking to live this way, God is going to provide what you need to do that. He's promised to do that. God keeps his promises. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. You have everything that you need so that you may have an abundance for every good work. So you can do the good works that God has for you. Good works. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. He, he saved us to do these good works. And when that is the focus of our life, and the desire of our heart, he makes sure that we have everything we need to do it. Now, let's just stop for a minute because I want to think about this. If, if God's plan for me is that I would die a martyr's death, is being rescued from that part of his will for me? No. So what I want you to say is we, we got to just, what we really want to do is be surrendered to God. And when we're surrendered to God, we can just go all in with him and we don't need to worry. Philippians chapter 3, he says, one thing I do, this is the idea, this is what you're, you're made for. This is what your life is about, okay? One thing I do, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus for our citizenship is in heaven. That means we are what? We are foreigners here. We are temporary here. Our citizenship, our um, permanent dwelling is heaven with the Lord. And when we remember that, it can change how we look at our lives now. And again, if that's the case, I have a whole lot less to worry about. You really want to try to let that soak in. And so let's just do a quick review here. Develop the habit of working hard to know the truth. Saturate your mind with God's word. Let it determine how you look at everything. This is the idea of developing a biblical worldview. Second one is tell yourself the truth about your worrying. When you worry, you're believing things about God that just aren't true. He, he does know. He is able. He does care. And then finally, settle the fact in your heart and mind that the purpose of your life is much bigger than your personal comfort or desires. It's about knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in a way that affects every other area of your life. And this defines your needs, and it's typically the things that we think we need that we worry about. But when our needs are the needs that God has for us, we don't need to worry. He will provide. So, let me tell you first, you will never regret that approach to life. If you choose to go with the Lord and live that way, you will never regret that approach to life. Promise. It's based on my own experience, based on the word of God, based on the experience of every Christian I've ever known who has gone all in with the Lord. So let's finish up with this thought. Did, do you think Jesus ever felt like worrying? 
Worrying isn't something we typically, you know, put with Jesus in our minds, right? But do you think he ever felt like worrying? Well, let's, let's look. Let's look here in, in uh, the book of Hebrews. It says, Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same things, the same testings we do. Okay, let's just stop right there. Are you ever tempted and tested about worrying? So was he. There were things that came along and came into Jesus' mind and his human soul and his emotions that suggested that maybe he ought to worry. Now, the difference between him and me is he didn't do it, right? But so he does understand. So yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So instead of worrying, first of all, Jesus understands. If this you today, and if you're struggling with worry, you're here or you're watching online and you're really struggling with worry, don't feel condemned by this sermon today. Be encouraged. Jesus knows. He understands. And you can turn to him. And he's going to help you. He make all the difference in the world for you. God can and will help us break the chains of worry when we come to him honestly and openly about our struggle with it. Okay? And obviously it starts with knowing Jesus as Savior, doesn't it? If you've never received Christ as Savior, you've got reasons to worry. <laughs> Although it won't help. <laughs> um, and so this is the starting point, receiving Christ as Savior, which means you, you acknowledge, you realize that you've sinned against a holy God. Your sins have separated you from him. And if you die in that condition, you will be separated from him forever in hell. But the God loved you so much, he sent his only son into the world who lived a sinless, perfect life and as he went to the cross, willingly, he paid the penalty for our sins. He paid it all and rose again from the dead. And he offers to us, if we will acknowledge our need, you know, that we have sinned against the holy God and we need a savior. And so we're turning away from any way we ever might be able to fix it or whatever. And we turn to him only and say, okay, God, I understand. And, and I receive Jesus as my savior. And if, if you don't know how to do that or it's confusing to you or you have questions, please reach out. If you're online, reach out. You know, connect with us through our website or something. We'd love to talk with you about that. And sometimes I get worried that I preach too long. I shouldn't worry, should I? Let's, I should just be concerned. That's what you guys will tell me. So we can be rescued from worry. We really can. And if you're trying, you try and do these things and you find yourself really, really overwhelmed and struggling with that, then get help. Talk to somebody, you know, one of us pastors or, or somebody else, a Christian that you look up to, look for help, okay? God gives grace to the humble. And his people should not be marked by worry, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and that the truth is that we don't have to worry. Another truth is, Lord, we've been so impacted by sin and we're growing and we're, we're being changed. And Lord, it still comes up from time to time. We need your help with it. We acknowledge it to you and we look for your help. And we look forward to as well, then, Lord, beginning to experience more and more the deliverance from worry and what it does in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.